to be here. So, is there a screen on there? We're going to get the screen up. We're talking today, this morning, about creation. Why does it matter? And I don't know if it's up there. It I'll is. Press, your... press my clicker. There it is. Is there up there? Yeah. It is. Why does it matter? You know, and in a nutshell, creation matters because Jesus is the creator. We're honoring Jesus. We celebrated the communion and what Jesus has done. He's actually the creator. And so honor should be given where honor is due, isn't it? And he's the creator. That's the first thing. The second thing is creation is like a foundation. You know, in our Christian life, uh, you've got to get the beginning right, and creation is the beginning. And uh, so that's really important to get that. We're going to touch on that right uh, today. And the other thing is creation is under attack in our community. You don't go into a school textbook and look up the science and it says Jesus is the creator. It's all about evolution. That's what happens. And, and evolution is the biggest stumbling block for Christians today. And uh, it, it stops Christians, or well, people drop out because of, the, of what they learn at school, in high school, at, at evolution. And also, they uh, it's like putting a great big stopper in their mouths because they're scared they're not going to be asked questions that they can't answer, that they don't talk about the Lord uh, to their friends and that. So that's why creation is important. And a number of, uh, a little while ago, our um, USA office, uh, they visited a uh, university campus to interview students. And uh, this is uh, what it looks like. They, they, they produced a video of students. They particularly wanted to interview young people who grew up in the church and were now in university. Uh, and this video is about fallout a lot of young people, when they go to university, they drop out of church altogether, and then there's others who don't. And so they want to find out why some people fall out and why some people don't. That's what they want to do, and they ask different questions. So I'll have to stand over here so that I can see what's going on. But uh, here's one guy, for instance, that they interviewed. And actually, it was a lot of young people who grew up in churches drop out at university. It's not like about 10% that drop out or 20%. It's more like 80% of young people drop out of church when they go to, when they hit university. And so they, they, this, the, uh, our office were interviewing these people and there's a nice, fine, young, looking young man. And the question was, do you believe in biblical creation? Which is what we're talking about today. Do you believe in biblical creation or do you believe in evolution? And he said, oh, I believe in evolution. He says, I'm studying biology and uh, doing all that sorts of things, uh, natural selection. And he says, so when you were in church, when you were growing up in church, did you ever, did they ever give you any presentations? Are they giving teaching or was any in their stuff about evolution and creation and how the science actually matches the Bible? He says, oh, I don't recall we ever did anything like that. And, uh, and then they said to him, they said, do you, um, how are you traveling at the moment? Are you, are you connected in with the church? He said, oh, I don't, don't really go anymore. So that was one. And uh, a lot of young people were like that. And then there's another young person, this uh, lady here, 
do you believe in biblical creation or evolution? And she says, biblical creation. And she studied biology. And uh, when you were in church, did you get any information about science and connecting with the Bible? Oh yeah, we often used to watch videos or be stuff in youth group about that or Sunday school. And what about now? Are you still, how are you traveling? So I, I, every week, I, I go to church every week, which is really cool. So that's why creation is a really important thing. See, the first guy, he had no foundation. And so his basically, his church stuff collapsed. Uh, and the young lady, she had a foundation, uh, and so uh, it was, and she withstood it when it was tested. She already had a foundation. And so we're encouraging the Bible to do that. In, in First Peter, he says, um, he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. The word prepared, what does that mean? It means pre it means you get ready ahead of time, doesn't it? And that's when you're going away, you have to sort of prepare what you're going to do. When I go to speak here, I prepared my message and, and uh, Pastor PJ, he prepared for the singing this morning. He, it's all prepared. And we need to be prepared to give an answer. And so we're talking about creation today and these are some of the ways it can impact you. First of all, it can transform your perspective. Once you understand creation, uh, it changes the way you look at the world because creation is so different to the way the world portrays the world. If you know what I mean. You know, if, if what you hear in the world, creation transforms it because you don't realize it's different. It gives you confidence in the Word of God. You're not worried about whether you can believe it or not or, or, or how it got it wrong at the beginning. Uh, you, it gives you confidence. It makes sense of the gospel. You know, one of the big questions is, we heard, we prayed for some really serious situations today. We live in a broken world, don't we? A broken world where lots of bad things happen. And uh, we ask God to help us. But if God is really good, why, why do bad things happen anyway? Well, creation makes sense of the gospel as to why Jesus came and why he died. And also, creation... Once we understand it, it gives us a way to protect our family. It strengthens us, but also it helps us to protect our family. When we've got kids going to school, when we've got grandkids going to school, creation helps with all of that. And so it's a perspective. It will transform your perspective. So what do we mean by perspective? Well, it's like this. It's like looking through a pair of glasses. That's your perspective. I've got a pair of glasses on. You can, I can put some dark ones on, I can put some rose-colored ones on. But it's like putting on a pair of glasses and the glasses that you wear affect the way you look at the world. So you can look at the world through the lens of evolution, which is, uh, where is it, over here, and uh, which of course is not hard to do because it's everywhere. It's on the TV, it's uh, presented everywhere you go. It's presented the idea that this world is millions of years old and things evolved and, and stardust, that we came from stardust and all that sort of thing. And so if you look through the lens of evolution, you look at things in a certain way. And here's some uh, fossils, fossils of, uh, of dinosaurs. And so you look at them in a certain way. But if you can actually use the Bible and starting with creation, as a way of looking at the dinosaurs, the world, the same evidence. 
So it's it's not like you know evolutionists have got certain evidence and creationists have got certain evidence and it's a matter of which one's got the more evidence. You know, and, and people think like that. There's no evidence for creation or whatever. It's actually the same evidence. It's the same evidence, the same rocks, the same fossils, everything's the same. What's the difference? The difference is the way you look at the world. And so that's what we're going to talk about just this briefly this morning, about how you look how we look at the world. So creation is actually a key to the gospel. It provides a foundation, it tells the beginning of the story. And the gospel of Jesus Christ starts with creation. He's the creator. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and by Him all things were made. And that's the really amazing thing, it sets the scene. And, and so many places in the New Testament, it starts with creation when it's talking about Jesus. In uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we read this, For by Him were all things created. So who's Him? Jesus Christ. Jesus, He's the Creator. For by Him were all things created, all things, all, all means all, it means everything, was created by Him, uh, and that are in heaven and on earth, just in case you didn't get it, all is in heaven and on earth, that's everything, isn't it? Uh, and whether they're visible or invisible, that covers everything again, doesn't it? And uh, whether they are thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created by Him and for Him. There's nothing higher than Him. There's no principality greater than Him. There's no power that He can't under, uh, overcome because all things were created by Him and for Him. And that means me. That means you. He created you. He, he's the one, he knows you because He made you and He made you for Himself. And so how did He do it? Well, you wouldn't open up a school textbook. Some people say the Bible tells us why He did it. But science tells us how he did it. Well, it actually, the Bible tells us how he did it. How did he do it? Genesis chapter 1. He did it in six days. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? Six days. And people say, six days? You're kidding. It wasn't six days. How could it have been six days? Definitely was. It was definitely six days. Why did he take so long? Why did he take so long? He could have done it in six minutes. He could have done it in six seconds, but he took six days. Actually, he did it as a, a pattern for us, the way that we do it to, to, during the week. You know, we to work for six days, and just like he did, and we to rest on the seventh, because that's the way God did it. He created it six days, and he rested on the seventh. Now, if he'd done it over millions of years, we'd still be waiting for our first day off, wouldn't we? That would be the way it would go. And so you can the jet creation... We can actually understand things. The Bible provides, it provides a foundation, it gives us information, gives us perspective. We learn so much when we start with what the Word of God says. And so, I can ask the question, I often ask it of young people, there's a few of you who are here. So when did the elephants first appear on the earth? Anybody can tell me when the elephants first appeared on the earth? When did that happen? Anybody know? What he say? Day six. Pieces day six. What's your name, young man? Timothy. Thank you, Timothy. Day six. But Timothy, I got sad news for you. The Bible doesn't mention elephants being being made on day six. 
doesn't even mention elephants. So where did you get the idea that elephants were on day six? Ask him. The picture that's on the screen. The picture that's on the screen. Can somebody help Timothy? Uh, when did you get the idea that yes, yes? All the creatures on the land. All the creatures on the land were created on day six. So you're right, Timothy. It doesn't mention elephants. It doesn't mention kangaroos either. It doesn't mention, it mention the eastern grey or anything like that. But we know that the kangaroos were on day six. And so what about the dinosaurs, T-Rex? When did they first appear on the earth? When was that? Hey? Day six, that's right. Some of those sort of animals, they were on day five, like the, the plesiosaur and the pterodactyl. But the dinosaurs, it's a land animal. It was on day six. So we've learned a lot about dinosaurs without even opening a science book. Isn't that incredible? What else What else uh, appeared on day six? What else appeared? Who? What? Did somebody say something? People. People. There's the lady with the loud voice. Thank you very much. People. That's right. God made the first man and the first woman on day six. And we read there that, you know, God, it was... Uh, Separate creation. God, God didn't sort of have a look around and say, wow, I like that one. That's a nice looking animal. I'll do a bit more work on that one and change it into a man. He didn't. He said, let us make man in our image. So people and dinosaurs, they both appeared at the same time, on the same day. So they lived together. People and dinosaurs lived together. Isn't that incredible? You know, if you'd say that to primary school kids, mostly, like their brains go haywire because they're they're taught and they believe that dinosaurs died out 50 million years before people came on the scene. But here the Bible says God made all the land animals on day six, and He made the people on day six. And uh, and and actually, there's evidence for that. I might talk about a little bit of that in, in the future. But you see, it's quite a different. The Bible gives us quite a different way of looking at the world. And so He made the man. He fashioned the man a separate creation out of the dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living soul. And so he is created to have dominion, created to rule, the same as we are. God created us to be rulers and uh, under the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He is now the man. He's ruling because Adam, he messed up. But anyway, where are we going with that? So the first thing he did was, what? Well, he started to name the animals. Or he named the animals. And that's how you rule. You know, like um, uh, what's happening in Australia is people are changing the names of different cities and things, aren't they? That happened in South Africa when there was a new government there. They changed the names of cities and streets and things like that. And so I know I got my name from my parents. My daughter, you know, the, she and her husband took ages to be able to, to get a name for their kids. There'd be a child would be born. And my wife would say, well, Vicky, uh, what's the name? Oh, Mum, we're working on it. We're thinking about it. We're looking at, at, at him. And uh, we just want to sort of be understand and feel what sort of a name would suit. And uh, it used to drive my wife crazy because she couldn't get a name. And so uh, my wife would say... Um, about little girl, she'd say, uh, Vicky, have you thought Sarah's a really nice name? That's a nice name. And my daughter said, 
Mum is definitely not going to be Sarah. <laughs> Even if she was thinking and aiming at Sarah, no more, because Mum suggested it. But that's uh, uh, what I'm, the point that I'm making is that it shows exercise of rulership. That's what Adam was doing. He was beginning to rule, and so that and so we understand our position in the world. You know, a lot of people on it with evolution, they think that humans are. Uh, basically, we're a lot of a scum on the planet, you know, that we're causing all sorts of problems in the world. We're better off if we had far less people on the planet. Have you heard anyone say that? Yeah. That's what they think. But God created us to rule. I don't know if you've heard of a guy like this. His name is Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's an astrophysicist. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's uh, very photogenic. He presents very well about all sorts of stuff to do with science. And uh, people ask these sorts of people, they want to know, do you believe in God? No, and that's one of the things they ask you, do you believe in a higher power? Because they sort of, they're wanting to believe, but they want to know if somebody in this sort of science authority believes. And Neil deGrasse Tyson says, well, he says, every account of a higher power that I've, I've seen described, he says, uh, all religions that I've seen, they include many statements to regarding the benevolence of this higher power, how, that this higher power is good. And we said that, God is good, didn't we? And uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, but when I look at the universe, and all the way the universe is trying to kill us, he said, I find it hard to reconcile that with statements of benevolence. That's a big question, not just for Neil deGrasse Tyson, that's right through our culture. It, is God is good? You know, why do bad things happen? Has anybody been asked that question? Maybe you've asked it yourself, but uh, it's a really, really big one. And you know, if I and Neil deGrasse Tyson has a picture like this, he goes shows there's volcanoes and there's asteroids and there's tsunamis and there's uh, typhoons and and all sorts of things. And he says all the ways the universe is trying to kill us. And uh, how do we explain that? Well, it's a matter I don't go Neil deGrasse Tyson. I go back to these glasses and say Neil. You know, the big issue that you have is that you're trying to understand God through an atheistic worldview. You're looking through the lens of evolution, and that's atheism, and you can't understand God through that lens, and that's why you have the problem. You've got to change your lens and at least see what it looks like from this side. And, uh, you know, when God created the world at the beginning, he created a good world. There was nothing that was hurting or harming or causing any pain or anything. It was very good. But it all changed when the first man and the first woman disobeyed the Creator right there at the beginning. And they took the fruit they were commanded not to take. And this is a children's book. I think we've got one of these on the table with uh, kids about the history of the world or something. And uh, our artists had a little bit of liberty there. Uh, the, the problem with putting a picture up is it sort of sets it in your mind. But it's got the serpent. A lot of people say that um, Adam and Eve took an apple and ate it. I don't know if you've heard that. But uh, the Bible doesn't say it was an apple. It says, it says what? The forbidden fruit. It was the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it doesn't actually describe what it was. So our artist made it look like um, a hand grenade. Because <laughs> it had catastrophic effects. And so we read in the Bible there, we read in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, here it is, it says, As by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. 
So death passed upon all men because all have sinned. It passed upon all of us because death, because all have sinned. And so we find that we are living in a world that is broken. For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together until now. And that's why Jesus came. That's why we need the world to be redeemed. That's why things need to be changed. And that is what Jesus has done. So you can tell the gospel to Neil deGrasse Tyson out of his question. So a question against God can actually not be turned around, but when it's explained, it actually leads to the gospel. And Neil, you know, that you need to sort of turn away from your sin and receive Jesus as your Saviour and live for him. And that's where it leads to, isn't it? Why is there death and suffering in the world? But a lot of people sort of think, well, I know, I can see all that, I can see how important it is, but how can you go against science? How can you go against science? And that's one of the big issues that a lot of our young people, a lot of people face. Uh, they think that science has proved it. You can't deny science. Uh, but I'll just illustrate a little bit about science and this picture of a paleontologist. Do you like that? Paleontologist, young Timothy. It means old. He likes old fossils. So paleo means old. And so he's digging out fossils. He's got this fossil of a dinosaur bone. And uh, this is a secret about paleontology, is that when he digs out a dinosaur bone, he doesn't come with a label attached to it, which says, I'm 70 million years old. He digs out the bone, right? And of course, you know that. That was supposed to be a joke, but it was supposed to be a cartoon. But anyway, so this is the evidence, the scientific evidence. Is it up there? So people say, how can you deny science? Well, you don't deny science. You look to see what the actual evidence is. That's the evidence, the bone that can be analysed. What did they measure? What did they see? How long was it? How heavy was it? They do all that. And so that's the evidence. Yeah, I can believe that. And, and I don't think they would have made a mistake on that. But this, this thing here, the date, that's an interpretation. Nobody was there with a calendar. It wasn't being checked off. Nobody saw it happen. So it's just speculation. So where does it come from? It comes from the person's beliefs, his head, from his belief systems. Like those glasses. Remember the glasses? are the things that are in your head, the way you look at the world. So it comes from the way he looks at the world. And so how can you work out what is fact? This is what young people at school, I sort of tell my, my grandkids, you know, when they, they, they encounter this, they encounter lots of stuff at school, uh, particularly in science that can cause them, you know, it's sort of a bit concerning. And, you know, I didn't know that was true. And... Uh, they, it, it upsets them, you know. So how do you? Uh, how do you? I don't think he's going to be there. But the question, the thing is, you ask yourself the question. I say to my grandkids, look, don't stress about it. Don't worry about it. Don't create a fuss in the class. You can if you want it, but don't. You don't need to. Ask yourself the question: What did they actually see? That's all you ask. What did they actually see? So you're reading the textbook, and you find that there's just a little bit that they actually saw. All the rest is story around it. You're reading something in the newspaper about a science find. There's only usually a little bit that's actually seen or measured. All the rest is put into an evolutionary story which nobody saw. And so you ask yourself that and you realise, okay, they saw that, I can believe that, and the rest is a story, 
Well, I can work out a story that fits with the Bible instead of that one and see how that works. And so that's very liberating. So I hit that. So it, it's really important. Like, um, this is a year 10 textbook. So I'm putting it up there just to give you an illustration, but also to show you, to just to make it clear that this stuff is a, this is a uh, stuff that goes on in schools and is part of the school curriculum, supported by the government. There are, there are rules in place that you can't teach anything else other than evolution in schools. And so this is the science textbook for year 10. And uh, they've got a big section on evolution, and just like the government requires, and they're teaching about uh, kids coming up to. Um, I don't think I did this on Wednesday, Friday night. I don't think I did, but um, kid, you know, kids would say, "Okay, we're going to talk today about where people came from, and how people got here." And so this is going to be important to you, uh, young people, because you'll be thinking about these questions about your life about where you came from, why you're here, and what you're going to do with your life. So that's, they don't actually say that second bit, but that's the implication, isn't it? To find out who you are, where you came from, it affects you a lot. And uh, so here's the page there about evolution, where people came from. And it starts out, the section starts, the rise of the bipedal ape. So did you know that before, that you're a bipedal ape? That's what Oxford University Press in the school system in Australia is saying, is that we're just apes that evolved, uh, evolved apes. And, uh, and if you want some evidence, do you want some evidence? I've got some evidence here. Is, um, there's pictures. We've got pictures of them, what, what they used to look like. You see that? What do you think of that? Somebody, I was talking just recently, and they said, Photoshop, Photoshop. <laughs> Well, actually, it takes quite a bit of skill, artistic skill, to make an ape man, somebody that's half ape and half human. So you can start with a human and sort of then uh, uh, put it down a bit so that it looks, you know, put, make it hairy and stooped and, that, and it looks like an ape man. Or you can start with an ape and you can sort of build him up a bit, make his eyes wide and give him hands like this. So it's a very skillful thing, but it's actually not science. It's not science, and so it's totally wrong. And so that's why it's important. And then they got this picture. Now people evolved from apes. Isn't that incredible? It's really it. And uh, even if Johnny hasn't been able to read by year 10, you know, a lot of kids can't read when they're in year 10. And uh, he can still see the story, can't he? Apes evolved into humans. The story's clear. And it's in a science textbook. It's taught at school. And uh, he, he's not sort of thinking that they're lying to him. He thinks it's true. Uh, but when you actually look at it, uh, it, it's not true at all. Like, for example, the apes. The first, these first two, there's two apes, right? Well, it's actually, you know, in the progression, they put two apes in. Australopithecus is an ape. And so that's the second one. Is it under there? Yeah, Australopithecus is an ape. So they put in two apes, a little one and a big one. And then at the end, they put in three people. There's uh, humans, there's Neanderthals, which basically intermarried. They were, you know, basically human, the first human settlers uh, after the flood in Europe. And then you've got Homo erectus, basically all within the range of human variability. So here you've got two apes and, uh, and three humans. And that's not apes evolving into humans, that's just 
animals and humans. And that's what the Bible says. God created the animals, then he created the people. But what about this one in the middle, this uh, homo habilis? Well, it's widely regarded that it's invalid. It was put forward, and then uh, there's lots of scientific discussion saying that they mixed up the fossils. They collected fossils from over here, which would be human fossils, and fossils from over here, which were ape fossils. They put them into a basket and put a name on it, Homo habilis. And, uh, and it's widely discussed that it's not valid. And so, but you know what? They don't teach that at school. They don't put this picture up to the kids in year 10 and then say, well, these are the boys and girls, you know, students, these are some of the problems with that, that uh, idea and, and, and explain it all. They just put it up and the, and the students think it's true. And uh, I, I, there was a guy that I knew or know on the Gold Coast. He said when he was coming through school, and he said that he heard about evolution and he said, I didn't think that my teachers would be lying to me. So, so I just believed it. I believed what they said. I, I accepted it. And he said, and so I stopped attending church. What was the point of doing, continuing? And I started leading a very secular lifestyle. And so I put a big X in that. This is not right. And, uh, you know, you can, make, you can make a story by arranging uh, these things anyway. You can make an amazing story by using your imagination about, say, how knives evolved into forks. Here's a good one. The evolution of the fork. <laughs> and it should be laughed at, shouldn't it? It should be laughed at. So uh, this is a picture of Michael Dooley. He's a, he's, a, he's a composer. He lives in Canberra. That's his family. Very musical family. He grew up in the church. And uh, he, he, he read a lot of... Um, uh, what did he read? He read a lot of Carl Sagan, who was an atheist. A lot of popular programs on TV. He watched a lot of those. And so it, when he, in his early teens, he was confirmed in the Anglican church. And, uh, but he, he was doubting whether the Bible was true because of all the stuff that he'd been watching. And so when he was about 15, he sort of declared himself, I'm an atheist. I'm no longer, I don't, don't believe anymore. And uh, so atheism sounds attractive, but it's got certain consequences. He went off to the conservatorium to study music, and he was really excited about doing that. But as he was studying the music and listening to the songs that people were making up these days, he became more and more depressed. He felt that life, just there was just no purpose to life. And there's no meaning in life. And of course there isn't any meaning if, if, uh, if this uh, material stuff is all there is. And uh, it was because of his belief in evolution that he picked up. And, uh, and there's a story in the latest Creation magazine, an interview with him, where he talks about you know, what changed him back. It was uh, some, some amazing music. Uh, I think it was Bach. Matthew's, is it uh, Matthew's Passion? I can't remember. I'm not musical. But I think it was that, and that really impacted him, the music of that. And then he discovered that evolution was not true. One of his friends told him that. A friend explained that to him. And uh, it just made a total change in his life. And he remembers talking to one of his, uh, at the conservatorium, talking to one of his uh, teachers, one of the musicians who was teaching. And he said to him something like, why is the music, the modern music, so, so depressing and so blah and so rough? It doesn't seem to have much harmony in it. 
Uh, compared to the music going back hundreds, a couple of hundred years, it was quite different. And the, he said that the uh, his music, the teacher said, oh, I don't really know, I, I guess they had God back then. And that makes a difference, doesn't it? They had God back then. So there are lots of questions. I mean, I've talked a little bit about why it's important. And uh, you, I think you can see that, can't you? You can see that, how it's important. But... There are lots of questions about evolution and about science that sort of thing, but what about this? What about that? I, I was, uh, did a talk in a, a church recently and a lady sent me an email with a lot of questions in it before the talk. And she said this, her son is at, at the university and these are his questions. She sent me a whole lot of questions. She said, he won't be going to ask you in the meeting but he, she sent them to me to, to, so I could respond to him. And these were some of the questions that uh, she sent me. Uh, for, for example, doesn't natural selection prove evolution? I don't know if you thought about that, but that's what they've taught. And there's a brochure out there about natural selection. And, and no, it doesn't prove evolution. Natural selection is something that happens, but evolution, it actually goes against evolution. And but then you've got chip DNA. Is this a... Chimp DNA, is chimp DNA similar to human DNA? And that's a big argument, is that we came from apes because, look, the, the uh, monkeys, their, their, their DNA is so similar to humans, 98%. That's what we're told. But in actual fact, well, if that was true, it still wouldn't work because there's still a lot of difference and it has to, you know, not time for evolution to work. But the other thing is, it's not 98% similar. It's, it's far less, it's probably only 80% similar. And the, the, the human, um, the, the, the white chromosome of the male is, is very much different. And uh, so that's, that's the thing which is put forward, people believe it, and it's not true. Uh, what about, does, doesn't quantum physics prove the Big Bang? Well, the short answer is no. Anyway, and uh, there's, there's stuff on the, on the uh, creation.com about that. What about, are dating methods reliable? That might be a question that you've got. No, we don't have time to go into all of these. Just imagine you want to finish, but you know, before one o'clock, don't you? Something like that. I don't know what time you want to finish, but uh, before before eleven o'clock, is that right? And uh, anyway, so can't answer them all, but these are big, valid questions, and they are, you know, these can be really sort of puzzles and problems for people. And uh, no, dating methods are, are not reliable. And that you can, basically, there's, you can get any age you like, depending on the assumptions you make. All dating methods are based on assumptions. And there's a there's a there's a um, what do you call it? A free brochure about that. This is one, but there, there's uh, dating methods. All dating methods are based on assumption, and it's covered in this book called the Answers Book. Plus, it's on the website. And I'm just saying that like it's Genesis poetry. This is the other one. Well, it's, you really need to believe the Bible. Is it really saying six days? Is it really saying that God created? Is it really saying that uh, Adam was made out of the dust? You know, this is the questions that come up. Uh, uh, it's just poetry. It's not really meant to be taken literally. Well, it's not poetry. There is poetry in the Bible. And, and even if it is poetry, there's a lot of poems in the Bible which are absolutely true, where uh, people are write a poem about something that happens and they sort of, not embellish it, but they sort of express their feelings through it. There was the uh, crossing of the Red Sea. There was a poem written after that. And so, in other words, 
you know, Genesis is really saying what it what it's saying is the way that God 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 created. And so we can see that there's a lot of things, and, and you can find information out on a website if you want to go there, creation.com. I know it's a complicated website, but it's easy. Creation.com for creation. And so if you've got questions that come up in your family uh, or questions that have come up at school, you can just go there and type it in and you'll find answers. So that's part of being prepared, just remembering creation.com. And uh, if you sort of think, well, I'd like to get a bit more informed, but I don't have a lot of time, then this newsletter is a good way of doing it. It uh, comes out every couple of weeks, and so you can connect through. There's a, a form that you can connect through. And uh, that makes a big difference when you're informed. Like this guy here, his name is Matthew. He says, I've been reading creation stuff for years. He wrote to us uh, in a, on, a, on our website. He said, I've been reading creation stuff for years, and it's a lot of fun. He said, I'm near doing year 12 on science, and I find I'm acing it. He said, I, we're doing evolution, and I seem to know more about it than my teacher. That's what he said on the website. And because the teachers don't learn about the difference between natural selection and evolution and that sort of thing. And so he was reading the magazine, which is a good thing to get into your home, and you can do it later on. So I've got a bit to do here. I think we've got I think I might have to skip a bit. <laughs> so I want to just talk about this issue of sin and through this dinosaur, 100 million years old, and I, the thing I notice about that dinosaur is it's dead. Did you notice that? So that means death has been around for 100 million years. And it's also got cancers on it, you know, cancer tumors. And uh, so this is one of the things that happens. And the Bible, so that's really evolution, death and suffering over millions of years leads to our existence. And, uh, and, and so we know that's wrong. Did we talk about this? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And so that's wrong. And so it's actually, uh, there's the verse. And uh, death came as a result of man's actions. So that's the issue. These dinosaur fossils and the fossils, how do we explain them when they're millions, supposedly millions of years old? And the thing is, they're explained by Noah's flood. And the, that's why I put a picture of the ark up. How big it was, big boat, big enough to do what the Bible said it did. It had three decks, a bottom deck, a second deck, a third deck, and it was incredibly stable, a large boat. And the animals went on, two by two, seven pairs of some animals, including dinosaurs. That's another story. And then when the door was shut, the fountains of the deep broke open and the waters lifted up, and they covered every high mountain under the entire heavens. And everything that was not on the ark that had the breath of life in it perished. Birds, livestock, and uh, all sorts of animals. And so it's a, that's what explains it. That's how it fits together. That's such a crucial thing to understand this. And uh, where did all the water go? Well, I got a picture of it for you. I took a picture. Where did the water go? Has it gone into the sky? Has it gone into the earth? Well, have a look. See where it's gone. Can you see where it is? That's the Pacific Ocean. And you can see that the world is covered 70% in water. The water flowed off the continents back into the earth. And so back into the seas. And so this dinosaur, basically, it should say, buried in Noah's flood. Buried in Noah's flood. Shouldn't it? Should it say that? 
I mean, even if the people putting the display on don't believe it, at least they should give it up there so that they said that, well, some people say that it was buried in Noah's flood. Not just totally censor it so nobody ever sees it, nobody ever gets the idea of it. And so, uh, and we see the dinosaur fossils like this one, the plesiosaur, <coughs> big plesiosaur, paleontologists digging it up. It's on display in the Queensland Museum in Brisbane. And uh, it, they said it was very, you know, it must have been a catastrophe because it's so well preserved. Up there at Richmond, see there, and uh, these are the sediments buried during Noah's flood. And even the bones in its flipper were, were preserved. And so it makes a lot of sense understanding the world. And so here's we've got the three, three sisters, uh, and you can see the flat surface. How did that get flat? That's when the waters were covering the whole of the earth. And uh, up there, uh, let's go through here. That goes so flat where the waters were covering the earth and a wide valley. So I'm just going to flick through a few and just come up to number 71, 72. Okay. So we're going to, I'm just going to wrap it up and sort of summarize what we already have looked at about how creation, why does it matter? Well, creation, you, we need to understand creation because it will transform our perspective. And we need to understand creation and, and know what it's about because it gives us confidence in the Word of God. And we need to, creation gives us to make sense of the gospel and it gives us a way to protect our family. So if you're wondering, okay, I'd like to find out more, how can I be prepared? Well, you already know that, how to be prepared, creation.com. All you have to do is remember that and you've done it. Or you can sign up to the, the uh, email newsletter today and that can come into your inbox and it's like an education thing that you get that. Or you might be wondering what would be a great book. Well, this one answers a lot of questions. It's a very, very good first place uh, a book. And I know that a lot of people got them on Friday night, didn't they? Uh, I think maybe a dozen, was it? A dozen young people got that book Friday night. That was a great resource. And then there's a, a lots of resources out there. You can have a look at them. Titans of the Sea. So, but the, probably the best resource would be the Creation Magazine. And uh, it, why would that be? Because it's easy to understand, that's one thing. And it deals with the issues, that's the second. And it's sort of uh, uh, easy. It's, uh, um, basically covers all the issues that, uh, that, that you need to, to know about. And so what happens? It comes in every three months. And so it's a new one and uh, it sort of re re revises it again, it rejuvenates it, uh, refreshes what you need to know. So I'd, I'd think about doing that if that was you and you can just fill out a form like this, which is out there and the people will sort it out for you. Okay, so the, 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 I guess the key one is okay, to be, be prepared. Always be prepared. Give an answer to the, uh, anybody who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. And creation is a key part of that. Understanding creation, the fact that Jesus is a creator, the fact that evolution is an attack on the, on the nature and what Jesus has done, and how we can answer all those things, which all those people have been putting up and are teaching us right through our culture. And that makes a great big difference in our lives. So think about your families, 
think about your kids and your grandkids, and uh, just uh, that would be really cool. So, did you want to? Are you going to just finish up? Thank you so much, DJ. <laughs>